Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon. I am Brendan Connolly. And I'm Jana DeCristofero. And after 30 years of listening to the stories of grieving children, teens, and adults in our grief support programs, we wanted a way to share what we've learned from them with the larger community. And this podcast is a way to open up that con- that conversation about grief, the one that's mostly avoided. And even though we all experience loss during our lives, most of us find ourselves pretty lost. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to feel, how to talk about it, how to help others. So this podcast is for you, whether you're grieving a loss yourself or you're in a place of wanting to support someone who is. Yeah, and this title, the title of this podcast is Somewhere in Between. And it's understanding and supporting the grieving teen. What is that? What does the somewhere in between mean? Somewhere in between, to me at least, means a couple different things. So we think about teenagers, they're sort of caught in between being a young child. They're still under the care of whoever is raising them, but they're maturing and growing and moving out into the world in new ways. And so you've got that sort of developmental in between. And then also in terms of grief, a lot of times in families, when there are younger children and teenagers, much of the focus, at least right at the beginning, can be on the younger kids, worrying about what do they understand, how do we tell them. And because teens can present often as being more mature, having a more better understanding of what's happening, they can be not necessarily ignored, but the, f- the focus may not be on them as much. And so they can be caught in between of a lot of the attention going to the younger kids. And there are some uh, kind of standards for that we recognize in in our in in the years the Debbie Center doing this work we can kind of say there's some basics about grief that we can that we can generalize about right that are going to apply to they're going to apply to teens right in the same way that they would apply to the youngest kids yeah. and as they apply to adults and when i think about teenagers where they are developmentally i often imagine them you know we think of younger kids when they're first starting to learn to go play on the playground or walk or any of those sort of um achievements that they make in their development they're kind of turning around to see you know are my caregivers there can i can i walk away a little bit and teens are doing the same thing sometimes in a more subtle but also more blatant ways of becoming more connected to their peer group so going to their peers for their emotional support maybe less so than coming to their parents and their family members and they're doing you know what am i going to do with the rest of my life where what am i going to do after high school how are we going to make decisions about who I am and what I want to be and what I want to contribute to the world. And they're doing that in this sort of doorway between out into the world and their their home and their foundation. And when a death occurs, I imagine, I sort of see it as the, the foundation, that house foundation can get shaken up quite a bit. And so teens are left in this in-between place of wanting to move forward out into the world, but maybe the foundation that has been solid is not as solid as it was before. Yeah. So I think we'll get into this a little bit, but, you know, I... I have I have a teenager at my house, an early one, uh, and I 
I imagine, tell me, tell me what you think about this, but I imagine that, you know, there's some, there's some ways that teenagers are, we all kind of know what those are. If you're, if you've been through it, you know, but I imagine that when you apply the extra stress or emotional overhead of grief, that teenagers get become even more teenagery in some ways, maybe in some ways. Yeah. So some of their, their, their behaviors and feelings and those, those things kind of get magnified, I guess. And particularly, I think of that sort of bouncing back and forth between, you know, at least I remember being a teenager, like at times feeling six and at times feeling 45. Yeah. Uh, and that bouncing back and forth, I think that can particularly get amplified after a death when teenagers are thrown into thinking about all these sort of existential things because they're cognitively they're in a place where they can start to think more abstractly about death and like what does this mean why me why my family how who am I going to be in the face of this loss as I grow older um, all of those things sort of in their minds moving forward and then there's just the sadness and the emotional overload where they can be feeling three again and I just want to have that caretaking security of when I was younger. Yeah, and I am. I bet that gets real hard when maybe you've got a teen who is starting to get a little distant or more stubborn, and they get more distant or more stubborn, but only at certain times. And then sometimes they're going to turn on that that six year old self and be goofy and funny, and your and your heart kind of swells with joy again. You go, "Here we're back," and then they're gone again real quick. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right, so that becomes unpredictable, which then you're putting that in the context of after grief, life in general can oftentimes be unpredictable. So many of the kind of basic tenets around grief that we have for people of all ages are especially true for teens. And one of the things that comes to mind is we talk a lot about with younger kids, they need that honest information. They need to know what happened. And it's also helpful if the adults can kind of fact check with them. Like, did you understand what I said? And do you have questions about the death? And for teens, sometimes that part can get skipped over because they're nodding and they're saying, yeah, yeah, I know what that means. But they actually do still have those questions and they may be less likely to feel comfortable coming forward with them because they are in that place of, I should know this information. It's going to be really helpful if you have a teen to be honest about what happened and also do some more of that fact-checking. Like, do you have some other questions about dad's death and what actually happened? Or there's some things that don't make sense to you and it's okay because there's a lot that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and what do you think, this is good, and I want to, I'd like it if you could maybe walk us through the, the rest of those basics. I think there are maybe a handful of them. But, but on this one in particular, I'm curious when you have some, you know, we talked about someone to check in with uh, their questions and at, you know, I know teenagers will often find, you know, they love their parents, no question, and uh, usually, and, and they also find other adults uh, sometimes to, to confide in. That might be a teacher or a counselor at school or a friend's parent. That seem, or a cool aunt or uncle, you know, whatever. There's, all, there's sometimes there's other people. So, would you say that you, that you kind of clue in those other influential adults that they might be checking in with on kind of your process and? How- yeah, that's a fantastic way to look at it. And and you know, if you're a parent or a primary caregiver of a teen who's grieving, to be thinking through who are those other people in their life that they may feel comfortable going to, yeah. and making sure that person has the information as well, so that you're not the only keeper yeah. of 
of the details in that way so that they can kind of go around to get the information. Because as we've talked in previous podcasts, sometimes it's just a little too charged to talk within the family yeah. uh, and can be helpful. So at least then you know they're getting the right information and not just asking their cousin at Thanksgiving and you're not sure if the cousin knows exactly what happened. Right. So it consists. So the, the message is at least consistent or the, the way in which they're being listened to and heard is consistent. Exactly. Well, what else? What What are some of those other basics besides we talked about uh, the need for honest information and someone to check in on their questions? What What else have you do Do we know? The fact that grief is so unique for everyone, and particularly within families, that can be uh, challenging because you may have a younger kid in your family who's grieving in a particular way, and then your teen's doing it in their own way, and you're doing it in your own way. And to recognize that teens themselves, you know, they're going to be unique because they had a unique relationship with the person who died, which may be different than the relationship you had with that person. And also because they may be going to their peers more, they may be finding other ways of expressing themselves that don't look like the younger kids in the family. Uh, so honoring that and maybe even checking in with teens and asking like, how is your relationship with, with mom? I know it was different than mine. What did she mean to you? So giving them the opportunity to, to share about how unique it is. And in that, keeping in mind that there's no right way. So we can get caught up sometimes. And, you know, my younger kid cries and talks about his brother all the time, but my older child never speaks to me. I think he's doing it wrong. Yeah. But to honor, like, it could just be his way of doing it. And then also, when, when you talk about the right way, I think we have talked about this in, in previous podcast episodes, uh, you know, the idea of those stages of grief. And while they, they may exist, that they're not necessarily in an order. Uh, and and so so maybe avoid getting caught in that trap of of feeling like you got to go through it in a certain way, right? That these are the things we know that you're doing okay, so I can feel comfortable because you've achieved all of yeah. these um, kind of milestones of grief. Yeah. And then within that too is the idea of holding sort of this tension between holding the idea that grief is something that you take with you the rest of your life, yeah. that there's no pressure to get over it in any way. And for teens in particular, not approaching them with like, oh my gosh, your life is destroyed forever now that you've had this person die. Because they can be in that place of, I want to be acknowledged for how important this loss is in my life. And please see me as a normal teen who's still going to school and making friends and getting in fights with people and worrying about school and grades and things like that. So, you know, riding that line of you can still be a normal teen and you've had this really significant loss in your life. Yeah, that's it. That's that's significant, and I think that's probably also significant for for teenagers at school and when their friends talk about frustrations with parents. And if that teen's had a parent die, it might it's it's got it's got to be kind of tough. For Definitely them. right, and it goes back to that piece of. I want to be like my teen, my peers, and I'm different in some way. Yeah. I have a lot of teens who come to group and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I went back to school and everyone's complaining about this teacher and who said this to who, and oh my gosh, I could care less at this yeah. point. My brother just died, everybody. But then if you were to say, oh my gosh, your brother just died, you must feel so different than everyone. Yeah. They might recoil from that. So, <laughs> you know, approaching that with the awareness that they may feel different, but not like pushing it in their face in that way. Yeah. Uh, so again, a lot of it goes back to that. We want to listen more than we're talking to yeah. people who are grieving. And we want to be providing a lot of choices, particularly around how information gets shared who knows what um, some teens will automatically revert to. I don't want anybody to know, you know, Mm. let's keep it a secret Mm -hmm. and being able to talk with them. Like, is that realistic? And it's probably not realistic due to 
various ways that information gets out. So how can we be an active participant and how the information is shared so you can feel like you have some choice over that? Give them some power there and how to share that that event. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. all right. All right, those are the basics. That, that makes sense, thank you. And we'll, we'll note this. This is an important thing, I think. And so uh, we'll commit to making sure that these, uh, this basic outline is, is up on the show notes for this episode. So a couple other things that I think would be helpful for people to know uh, that grief is a holistic experience. So when you're dealing with a grieving teen, it's going to be affecting them emotionally, behaviorally, cognitively, how they think uh, physically, like their actual physical bodies, and then those more existential questions about purpose and meaning of life. Um, So recognizing that oftentimes we think grief's just emotional. People cry, they get mad, they do whatever, but recognizing too that how people engage with their friends, the activities that they're interested in, how they're able to concentrate or not concentrate, uh, increase physical symptoms. A lot of people having more colds, uh, loss of like things don't taste very good. They don't want to eat. Stomach hurts, headaches. So a lot of those things can all be connected to grief. They are just getting hammered. <laughs> They're getting hammered. I mean, every exactly. direction, right? And and those symptoms too. I mean, you know, as a parent of a teen, I'll tell you that I I will admit to being unsympathetic sometimes about aches and pains and, you know, don't want to go to school, don't, can't wake up or whatever. And my teen is not grieving anything right now, you know, and uh, that that would be a challenge for a parent or caregiver, I think, to have this person on, on your hands who is just getting hammered. Mm-hmm. Right. And it takes us to that place of like, what do you do then? And then a lot of adults wondering, how do I know if this is grief? And how do I know that this is normal teen behavior? And what I usually share with people is like, you have a grieving teen. And so I don't know if it's always helpful to parse those two things out, Yeah. except to remember to have that understanding of, you know, your teen's having a lot of stomach aches and not wanting to go to school. Grief is likely part of that, but how are you going to address it and what I hear again and again from teens is they really appreciate having the consistency the routine and the expectations clear expectations for their behavior Mm -hmm. and some flexibility so the expectation is we're going to school and we're going to get to school on time and I know that there are going to be extra hard days and so let's talk about what some of those hard days will, will be approach of an anniversary, your birthday, my birthday, a holiday coming up. So let's make a plan for when that happens so that we can have a better understanding with one another of, you know, this is one of those days where I really do need a break from school. Yeah, yeah. Or chores or whatever it is that you're kind of like struggling with your teen. Well, I think those guardrails are super helpful for everybody, but for sure for teens, you know, just that that idea that here's here's what we're going to work within these boundaries within these guidelines and i'm gonna expect as a grown-up you don't necessarily have to say this to them right but i'm gonna expect that you're gonna push against them to make sure they're still there and i so i'll know that i'll know that you're doing okay when you're pushing against the guardrails make sure that the boundaries are still there right right now you're being a normal teen whatever normal might mean in that way and and, anyway it brings us back to something we talk often about is if you're gonna 
be there for your grieving teen, be there for your grieving child. You really got to start with being there for yourself because it's going to take a lot of energy and it's going to take a lot of emotional resourcing. So what can you do as an adult to make sure you're taking care of yourself so that when these hard times come up with kids and teens, you can be present for it. And there's going to be times when you can't, right? You know, you late in the afternoon, you skipped lunch, your kid didn't do his homework, we have a bit of an emotional outburst. And so to go back to your teen and say, whoa, I'm realizing, you know, I wasn't able to like keep my cool in that interaction because I skipped lunch and I didn't sleep well the night before. So you know what? In the future, before we have a hard conversation, I'm going to promise to eat a snack and I'm going to promise to let you know if I'm feeling really tired. And that way you're modeling to your teen. There's going to be these times when you can't always keep it together in that way but here's my plan for what I'm going to do. And then they can hear there's a plan for them as well. Yeah. And and yeah, modeling is right on. And I think some of that physical care stuff, like staying hydrated, making sure your blood sugar is not bottoming out, all those things are real, you know, they're real and they they really make a difference on uh, on folks' ability to to think and reason and talk and, and be there. I know that's the case with you know, with my teenager, they'll be angry about something and hungry, and that's a bad combo. <laughs> that's a bad combo And you don't want to be stuck in the car with them at right. that moment, you know? It's like, you're just grumping at each other, and you can't escape. And, and your kids probably don't want to be caught in the car with you yeah. if you haven't had enough snacks and sleep for that day. Right. Um, right. So, a few other things that come to mind just for teens around, um, I hear so often, like, I just want to be normal. I want to be seen as normal. So I don't want a lot of sympathy. I don't want people thinking there's something wrong with me or there's something's broken. And underneath that, still having somebody in their life who will understand what's different for them. Uh, So maybe that looks like making sure we're not overloading them with like, how are you? Are you doing okay? I was so sad about your dad. But recognizing that their dad has died and like, tell me what its experience has been like for you. What's different for you now? So you can have a more um, matter of fact conversation about that. And then recognizing that kids and teens, they still need things in their life to be um, part of maybe how life was before. So they need recreation. They need breaks. They need chances to have fun and to play. Uh, They still need the privacy that they needed beforehand. So sometimes that can take some maneuvering when you want to check in with your teen and they're really wanting privacy and maybe checking with their peers in that way. So maybe that means coming up with a a new way to communicate. We we text each other every day at noon just to check in or something like that. Um, And then they also really need models. So they're looking around at the adults in their life like, how are you doing this? Because I'm going to watch you, and then maybe I'm going to do it. Maybe I'm going to do it opposite. But making sure they do have models in their life who are talking to them about, like, hey, I'm realizing that, you know, I really need to get a lot of exercise because I got all this emotion swirling around in my head. So I'm going to start going to the gym again. I think that's going to really help me in my grief. So having somebody there to to help them and facilitate that because not all teens can drive themselves to the gym. Right. (laughs) What works for you for physical activity? And maybe that means as uh, as a family, we go for a walk or just someone the other day was talking about was most helpful in their grief was getting a puppy. And I'm not recommending everyone go out and get a puppy. No, I don't recommend anything. (laughs) I got a puppy. (laughs) But for them, they were like, oh, it gave me something to focus on. And it forced me to get outside because the puppy had to go for walks. So I had to go be active. So find different things that way. And then the other thing with teens is, giving them reassurance that even though somebody in the family has died and life is a lot different now, we're still going to make time for you to be a teen. And that means 
not taking on the worries for the family around money, security, um, all those different changes that can come up. A lot of teens will be carrying that burden. I'm worried my mom's going to lose her job. I'm worried we're going to have to move. So being honest with them about what the reality is and then also demonstrating that as the adult, you're going to take care of those big decisions. That seems important. I know that, you know, between my two kids, one of them, the younger, still kind of behaves like money grows on trees. (laughs) And the older has been working a little bit for some money, you know, doing stuff for neighbors and that kind of thing. And and they are starting to get it and they're starting to ask little questions about the family budget and you know they understand how that cash flow thing works so i imagine that'd be that'd be important that would pop up on their mind definitely and or you know someone randomly walks up to them at the memorial service and says well you know you really got to be there for your dad now because your mom died so you've got to be the one to take care of things and reminding them like yeah we are probably all gonna have to take on some extra chores and I'm still the adult. Yep. I'm still going to take care of those bigger decisions. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Anything else there? I think that's got it. We'll put all these show notes up on the website for people. If they want to refer back to them, we've got some kind of clear suggestions for things to be helpful for grieving teens. Yeah, you cranked through a pretty good list of the needs of grieving teens and, and the ways to support them. We will for sure get those up on the show notes It's a very helpful list. Thanks, Jana. Thank you, Brendan. And thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Dear Dougie podcast. You can learn more about us and listen to past episodes at Dougie.org slash podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username for both is the Dougie Center. And we want to answer your questions about grief and loss. So please send them our way. The email address is help at Dougie.org, and it'd be great if you put the put the word podcast somewhere in the subject line. That would help us kind of fil- filter the mail a little bit. So thanks, and join us again next week for another episode of the Dear Dougie Podcast. See you later, Jana. Bye, Brendan. Thanks for listening.